You're listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can visit us online at covenantchurch.us. We are all on mission day to day in every walk of life. This message is from part one of our series, Our Work as Worship, where we are discussing the ways we can use our work, learning, parenting, and daily life as worship unto the Lord. And now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. Let's remain standing for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in Genesis 1. We're going to be in Exodus. We're going to be in Philippians. We're going to be all over the place. Let's start in Genesis 1, starting in verse 28. It says this, And God blessed them, being Adam and Eve. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Jump over to Genesis 2. Verses 15 and 20 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work. Say work. Work. To work it and keep it. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. And then over in Exodus 31 says this, And I have filled him, verse 3, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to every craft. And then six says, and I have given to all able men ability that they may be able to make all that I have commanded you. Now, we're starting out a new series today. I'm excited about it. And, and here's a concept that you have to get early on, okay? A concept I really, really want you to try to, try to wrap your mind around, your head around. It's this. What if we saw work, okay? What if we saw worship, rather, as something that we uh, didn't just simply do in a few hours on a weekend in church? What if we saw worship uh, as, as the work that we do outside of this building? What if we saw worship as something that we did in our own workplaces? Now, this, this sermon's entitled, entitled Work as Worship. And I want you to be thinking about this, this question the entire time, this concept and, and this question of like, how would that affect my workplace? How would that affect my job? If I saw my work as worship, how would that kind of change me and my week and what would that look like? So as you find your seats this morning, I want you to give four people a high five and say, work is worship. Come on. So we love Saturdays, amen? Do we have a Saturday crowd? Do we like Saturdays? Yeah, Saturdays are good. Saturdays mean for some of us sleeping in. If you have kids, it does not mean that for you. But for some of you who do not have children yet, that might mean sleeping in. For, for all of us, it should mean following God's team, the Buckeyes, on another win, right? That's, that's what it means on Saturdays. And, and some of us love Saturdays. I mean, some of us just really love Saturdays. Some of you live for Saturdays. Could we say that? What, because what happens on a Saturday? Or rather, what doesn't happen on a Saturday for a lot of us? Work, right? And I was thinking about this the other day. And uh, it got me to thinking about one of the worst jobs I've ever had. Now, we've all had bad jobs. But I, but I want to uh, submit that I have had one of the worst jobs in this room. 
Can I, can I just make that? Can I kind of like uh, prop up my argument for a moment? Can I share a story with you? Is that okay? Is that, is, can I do that? Is that all right? All right. Um, here, here's my story. And, and if, I'm, if, if, if you do this job, I'm not saying it's a bad job. I'm just saying that for me, it was awful. And it probably speaks more to my character than anything else. But uh, let me give you some context. When I was in college, we had an eight-week Christmas break. Now, it wasn't a holiday break. It was a Christmas break. We had an eight, did you catch that? Um, we had an eight-week Christmas break, and we would go home. Now, it seems like a long time, and, and it kind of was, but what it gave you the opportunity to do was to work a job. And so I believe I was a sophomore, and my dad called me, and he said, son, I've, got a, I've lined up a job for you over Christmas break. I said, okay. And he's like, uh, so when you come home, don't worry about finding anything. Got it lined up with a guy at our church here, and uh, so you're going to be good to go. And I was like, okay, great. What, what am I going to be doing? And he said, construction plumbing. Two things that I know nothing about, construction and plumbing. Like, perfect, great, all right. Because I'm, like, I'm like, how bad could that be? You just, what, go to sites of construction and, like, help out with toilets? I don't really know. And so anyway, I come home and... And, um, you know, Christmas happens and it's jolly and everything's great. And, and the next day, uh, you know, I'm, I, I connected with my boss and he was like, all right, you're going to drive with me. And, you know, I need you, we need to be on site at 5 a.m. So you're going to, you know, be here. And, um, now, now, understand, we all live in Ohio here. So we understand how wonderful and, uh, you know, beautiful it is in the winter in Ohio um, in the morning at 4.30 a.m., uh, and how just, you know, yeah. So it's gray, it's dark, it's cold, it's cold, it's freezing, and I'm riding around in a van. And, um, and I found out what my job consisted of, okay? My job consisted of this. I was lowered into concrete tubes with a jackhammer, and my goal or my job or my work was to, and I gotta be very delicate in how I say this, was to jackhammer frozen masses of plumbing that had caused blockage in large concrete tubes. And you knew that you were successful at your job when you were uh, springing leaks in the blockage and it began to flow again. That's what I did for eight weeks in the winter in Ohio as a sophomore in college. I've got to tell you, I don't, I don't know that I could like really say that I, how do I, I hated this job. Like there wasn't a day that I woke up and I was like, man, I cannot wait to go into work today. Like every day was worse because I just realized like, this is my reality. I'm going to be lowered into a tube and I'm going to jackhammer poo. That is my job. <laughs> I'm not trying to be gross. That's literally what I was doing. And so, I mean, you can imagine, I just, do I even have to go into detail? Everything you're thinking happened. It was just awful. <laughs> I had a pair of goggles and everything else is just, oh, where is this coming from? Like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It was just, it was bad. Um, yeah. And, and so that's what I did for eight weeks. I would get in the van and, and my boss would look at me and be like, oh, you know how it was stuff. And I was like, you know how it was. It was crappy. Anyway. <laughs> Come on. Um, so I did that. And, and I also have to say this, like I had never felt more called to the ministry than when I was down in a concrete tube. Like if you wonder if you're called to the ministry, go do that job for a week or two and you'll find out you're probably called to be a pastor um, as well. Now, you know what happened? 
uh, in that job, I just, I really had a bad attitude. And, and I, I talk about that job. Maybe you've heard me talk about it before. But I wonder when I talk about hating that job, I hated it. I hated that job. When I talk about hating that job, maybe your job comes to mind. Because maybe you hate your job. Maybe that's why you love Saturday so much. For some of you who don't work on Saturday, some of you do. But maybe your day off, you just live for that day off. You know what I'm talking about? If you go home today and uh, open up your Facebook t tonight, this evening, what are we going to see? Like post after post, like, is the weekend over for real? Is Monday really happening? I can't believe, where did the weekend go? Tomorrow morning, you're going to open up your Facebook and, and, and you're going to see like, I hate Mondays and probably some picture of Garfield on there with a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? Like, we hate Mondays because we hate our jobs. We don't like our jobs. We, we don't like the work that we do. And yet we will spend the majority of our lives at work. Now think about that. We will spend the majority of our lives in atmospheres that we hate not doing a good job. That's interesting. We're going to talk about that in a moment. In, in a moment. But, but I, I got to get back to this point here because I had a completely horrible attitude in this job. And maybe you do as well. Maybe justifiably, you hate your job. Maybe you got a bad boss. Maybe your work atmosphere is, is horrible. Maybe you just show up with, uh, you know, to do the, the minimum uh, job, just, just enough to squeeze by, just enough to get the paycheck. You don't want to get noticed. You just want to do enough just to kind of keep your job. And, and what I've come to realize, what I've come to realize about my attitude at that point in time, was that my, my attitude was not only wrong, but my attitude was sinful. Sinful. Uh, in fact, it became painfully clear, painfully honest for me as I was working through the book of Colossians. Now, obviously, um, Scripture is very convicting, and, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will just convict you with the Word of God. Amen? And it's kind of one of his roles. The Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. Uh, we believe that the Word of God is living and active. Amen? We believe that the word of God is infallible, that it is completely true. And as we read it, the Holy Spirit inside of us reacts to the words of God, illuminates these words to us, reveals truth to us. And oftentimes that truth is very convicting. And something like that happened to me when I was working through the book of Colossians just, just a few years back. Um, and I want, I want you to see this. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 23. And understand, this is Paul who wrote this. So we've been working through the book of Romans here as a church, kind of taking a, a side route here for a month or two. But understand that this is a, a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Colossae. And it's called the book of Colossians. Look at what he says in Colossians 3.23. And it just comes right out of the gate swinging. He says this. Whatever you do, pause. Now, the interesting thing about whatever is that it includes kind of a lot of stuff. So whatever you do, doesn't matter if you're a cameraman, doesn't matter if you're in a sewage pipe jackhammering stuff, doesn't matter if you're a surgeon, doesn't matter if you're a business owner, doesn't matter, but whatever you do. So this includes all of us. Can we agree with that? Yes? yes. All right. Whatever you do, and he goes on and says this, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. And he goes on and kind of nails it a little bit deeper. He says, you are serving the Lord Christ. Ouch. So as I'm reading this passage of scripture in my own, 
you know, meditation and I'm journaling, all of a sudden I'm journaling and, and the Holy Spirit brings to mind, hey, remember how bad of an attitude you had that winter of your sophomore year when you were in that pipe and saying, God, I hate this job. Remember that? Remember how you were so angry and how you were so mad? Yeah, you were sinful. Yeah, that was a sinful attitude. This really hit me, you know? This really truly hit me. I realized that my attitude and my actions also were not only sinful, but also something else. I also realized that I had wasted an opportunity. Now understand this, it's important. Not only were my actions sinful, but I actually wasted an opportunity. And, and opportunities are important. Would you agree with me on that? And, and here's why. Opportunities are important because our lives are defined by them. Our lives are defined by opportunities, even the ones that we miss. Think about that. What opportunities have you taken advantage of that have helped shape your life? Equally, what opportunities have you missed that have shaped your life? Thomas Edison said this, we often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. That's good. That's old school good. You know what I mean? Dressed in overalls. It's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Now here, as a body of Christ, we know, we learned this last week, we are called to build this together. Amen? Amen. I need you with me. Amen? Amen? Yeah, we're called to build this together. And part of how we correctly go about building this together is seeing our work as worship. Turn to your neighbor and say, work is worship. Yeah, we need to see our work as worship. Here's why. I'm going to give you four reasons why. Okay? And, and today is just going to be an introduction. It's just going to break you in easy. Okay? Just kind of break it in. First point is this, but I need you to write them down. Number one is this. Worshipful work, and that's what we're going to call it. Worshipful work fulfills purpose in creation. Worshipful work fulfills purpose in creation. Now, remember the passage that I read in Genesis 1 and 2. It spoke of the fact that God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden with the assignment. The assignment was to work and keep it, to work the garden, to work it, and to keep it. And understand that this was before the curse. This is really interesting. This is before sin had entered into the world. You know what I'm talking about? Before Adam and Eve had sinned. So pre all that, God had given Adam work to do, not as a punishment for sin, but as a design. Working wasn't a punishment. Now, one of the ways that we punish our kids I've got my son in here. He comes second service. Um, one of the ways that we punish our kids, just remember this, Noah, is that we, we will oftentimes give them work to do. Hey, go haul wood. Hey, go rake leaves. Hey, you talk disrespectfully. Um, you need to go dig a hole and then fill it in. You know what I'm saying? We just, whatever it might be. Now, thankfully, we have very obedient children, and we don't have to do that very often, and they're, they're a huge blessing to us. But we often view labor, we often view uh, work as sinful, but according to this passage, Adam is given a task to do, a job to do before sin. So his work isn't a punishment for sin, rather it's part of God's original design for us. I wonder if I could talk this morning about the simple fact that men are created for work. We are created for work, and I will get about a 22% amen on that. Because the rest of us know what's coming. Ouch. We, we know what is coming. Now, listen to this. Um, do you, let me just ask you this question. Do you 
work at your job or do you just show up to your job? It's a big difference, isn't there? I could even back up a little bit on this. Uh, as men, let me just say this, you need to have a job. Let me just, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep digging it. You, you need to have a job, but let's not stop there, okay? Not only do you need to have a job, you need to keep a job. But let's not just stop there. Not only do you need to have a job, you need to keep a job, you also need to work at your job. Um, I wonder, do you consider 40% of your day on Facebook work? The average amount of time that an employee spends on Facebook at their job, 40% of their day. How is that possible? Because there's a lot of cats on my newsfeed, that's why. <laughs> and they're doing crazy stuff. I hate cats. No, 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 no. Not only do you need to get a job, you need to keep a job. Not only do you need to keep a job, you need to work at your job. And you say, work at your job? Yeah. Do you work at your job or do you merely just show up? You do the minimum. Genesis specifically says in chapter 2, verse 15, that God placed Adam into the garden to work it. To work it. Now, not to work it. That's not. <laughs> God wasn't like, Adam, you're here. Work it, boy. I mean, that's not why he put him there. That'd be a whole. That'd be a weird Bible passage, just, and Adam worked it. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> no, but to work it. In fact, the, the Hebrew word work here is the, is the word abad. And you could actually say it chabad. And, and, and it has this understanding of preparation. It means to prepare, to cultivate, to develop. Adam's job was to develop. Adam's job was to cultivate. Think about the implications of, of this for us today. You know, we live in a society, in our culture right now, in American history, where percentage-wise, we have less men working today than ever before in history. Now, of course, some of that might be due to the job market and some of that might be due to the fact that they can't get a job. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying, like, we have less men working today than ever before. I think that this speaks to, and I've talked about this before, but you're going to have to endure this rant a little bit. I'm not going to get into it too much. But I think this speaks more to the fact that we live in a generation who, who have post-adolescent adolescence. Now, let me camp here for a minute. Some of the older generation, you're going to love this. We live in a generation. <laughs> we live in a generation who want to be Peter Pan. Now, I'm not saying they're running around in tights and running, well, maybe I don't know. Skinny jeans, come on now. Quit wearing those, dude. Dad, you got claps for that. You got claps for that. Oh my word. Yeah, we live in a, no, let's go back to this. We live in a generation of Peter Pan. They don't want to grow up. We want to have fun. We run around with the boys, the lost boys. You know what I mean? We, we just want to, we want to fly around, do our own thing. But, but the last thing we want to do is actually grow up. And, and they're not working jobs. They're not working, which means that they're not preparing, that they're not abad, they're not cultivating, they're not developing anything the least of which themselves. We have a society where, by and large, men are not developing in any avenue of their lives. Are you with me? What does this speak to? This speaks to a strategy far beyond us, an entitlement that somehow we have. 
That's not from God. God, God has, has given us a purpose, and, and it is fulfilled when we have worshipful work. And we wonder why men are unhappy. We, we wonder why more men today are wrestling with depression. And, and we wonder why there's violence and addiction at a higher rate in our younger men than ever before. And, and I wonder, could some of it have to do with the fact that they're created to work and they're not working? Could some of it have to do with the fact that there is purpose, there's fulfillment in working a job. And so if you're not working a job, there is a loss of purpose in your life. So you begin to try to fill that purpose with other things that aren't work and don't develop you and cultivate you and grow you and shape you and form you. So you don't develop at all. Growing up, I had a friend who, uh, his dad was a farmer and they owned a lot of land, a lot of, a lot of hay fields, a lot of corn. And uh, he was on my football team and he was one of my neighbors. And so every summer I would go and help him bale hay. Now, how many of y'all have ever baled hay? Come on. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It is hard work. Amen? It's hard. You stand on the back of a tractor, uh, back of a combine, whatever, and you're, you're bringing in the hay. But that's not even the worst part. Then you've got to go inside the barn. Because inside the barn, it's about 115 degrees, and you're stacking bales of hay. You've got people passing out, falling off. And that's why they put all the hay on the bottom, because people will be passing out all the time, just falling straight down to the floor. <laughs> We would start out really, really early because it's really cool in the morning, and then you would work all day into the evening. But I'll tell you what, as, as tough of work as that was, when I came home in the evening, I felt fulfilled. I felt good. I, mean, I felt bad, but I felt good. I, I think there's really something to this. I really do. Um, there's something about just, just being out and working in nature that is personally fulfilling as a man. There's something about sticking a shovel into the dirt and tossing it aside. It's just personally fulfilling. There's something about picking up an ax and splitting a piece of wood and carrying that wood from here to there. Are you with me? Why is that? I'll tell you, because you were created for work. You were created to do work. There is purpose, uh, fulfilling purpose in work. There's something about putting in a hard day's work that makes you just feel fulfilled. It's because work fulfills a purpose that God has put into us. We need to see work as worship. Point number two, worshipful work pursues the highest standards of excellence. Worshipful work pursues the highest standards of excellence. And I mentioned this verse before, but Colossians 3, let me get back to it, says this in 23. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. To worship God through your work means that you have a higher boss than your employer. To see your work as worship means that you have a higher boss. You see, you see your boss as, as your boss, but that boss having a boss, and you serve that higher boss. And we're to work for an even greater reward than our salary. And some of you are like, not hard at all, okay? Because my salary is not really much of a reward. Well, whatever salary you make, large, small, whatever it might be, we're to, we're to understand that we work for a greater reward than our salary. In your workplace, um, oh man, how do I say this? In your workplace, you should be the best employee there. You should be the best worker. 
When we view our work as worship, you, you have to understand as a Christ follower, you should be the best worker there. And you're like, you don't understand my boss. I don't have to know your boss because you're not working ultimately for your boss. You are working as unto the Lord, not for man. You're serving the Lord Christ. You are working for God. Okay? And so ultimately, you need to be the best worker there. Now, let me ask you this. Is this what Christians are known for in the workplace? Like, do, do employers, like, look for Christians because they're the hardest workers. They're the people that are going to they're they're be diligent, man. Is that how employers think? Is that how uh, HR departments work? Let's get all the Christians to the front of the line because we know they're the hardest workers. See, to, to worship God in your work means that you have a higher standard than the world has. And if you're a Christian, you should be a better worker because you have a better purpose. Amen? You have a greater purpose than the purpose of this world. The purpose of this world terminates in and of itself, on itself. It ends when eternity begins. Yours begins now and echoes into eternity. What you do now has far-reaching implications into eternity. So you need to view your work as worship. And I've said this before, but if it's Christian, it ought to be better. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. Now, we could talk about this any number of ways. Number one, we could talk about music. If it's Christian music, it ought to be better music. You are tapped into the ultimate source of creation. Make better music. If it's uh, artwork, it ought to be better. You are tapped into the God who painted the sky with his, with his finger. Make better art. Please. I, <laughs> As Christians, we're allowed to venture outside of the sheep and dove category when it comes to art as well. Can I just say that? Okay. Just say that. Um, Whatever you do, do it better. And when it comes to our work, do it better than anybody else. Like, well, you don't know what I do. I don't have to know what you do. Because whether you're jackhammering down on a sewage pipe, or you're a lawyer, or you're a doctor, or you're a surgeon, or you're a stay-at-home mother, do it better than anybody else. And I'll tell you what this means. This means very practically that being the first one there and the last one, there, last one to leave is a spiritual issue. We'll talk about spiritual issues. You want to make it practical? How about this? Being on time, that's a spiritual issue. As I mentioned before, spending 40% of your day, your work day on Facebook, that's a spiritual issue. Not being caught up in workplace gossip, that's a spiritual issue. Meeting deadlines, that's a spiritual issue. Are you with me? When we view our work as worship and we work as unto the Lord, these things become a spiritual issue. Why? Why? Because we have now taken our work as worship and our, and our work is a reflection of God. So we, we need to view it that way. We need to pursue the highest standard of excellence in our work. We need to view our work as worship. Point number three. Worshipful work makes blessing others the bottom line. Worshipful work makes blessing others the bottom line. To follow Jesus means that you think about your life, hopefully, prayerfully, the way that Jesus thought about his as an offering to others. Now, just take a moment and think about this. 
What did Jesus spend the majority of his time doing? Listen now. What did he do? Was there any avenue in which Jesus entered into in which he didn't make it better? He made everything better. When we walk into a section of town, he would begin healing people. He would begin setting people free. He would begin restoring people. He would begin speaking truth over people. He would renew areas. He would bring health to areas. Jesus made areas better by being there. He brought wisdom. That's what he did. People came to Jesus and he, he filled Jesus fed people. People simply followed Jesus around all the time because they were better when they were around Jesus. Why? Because Jesus used his life as an offering for others, the ultimate servant, even up to and including his death. An offering for others. Scripture tells us over and over in the Gospels and in Philippians and Timothy that Jesus' life was an offering for others. He spent his time teaching them, helping them, healing them, feeding them. And ultimately, Jesus leveraged his assets and he leveraged his position of strength. And this is what we're called to do as Christ followers. We, we, we are to leverage our places of strength and influence to bless and serve others. Oh, come on. We are called to leverage our strength and our positions of influence to bless and serve others. <clears throat> if you own an, uh, a business, this means that, that you think about more than just personal profit and the bottom line. Like, okay, this is cool until you start talking about my money. See, you know you're beginning to think right uh, when, you, when you start asking questions like this as, a, as an owner. I know I can make a profit on this, but is it genuinely helpful to people? I know I can make money on this. How am I going to use this to make this world better? How am I going to use this to impact my community, my, my generation? Here's another one. How can I use this business to not only enrich myself, but also bless others? See, worshipful work makes blessing others the bottom line. You have an opportunity to be the gospel in your workplace by seeing work differently than the world sees work. And at some line, at some point, I'm going to dig in a little bit here. At some point, church... We have to see this differently. We have to see our work differently. We have to see the bottom line differently at some point in time. You know what I mean? Because the bottom line for us as Christians really truly can't be just like, let's get more money. But that is normally the bottom line, is it not? Yes, would you agree? I'm just saying like, we need a different scorecard. That can't be the accurate scorecard. That just can't be like, I just need more money. Because here's a question, at what point do you have enough money? At what point? Maybe even, this is maybe even a better question. How much money do you need? How many cars do you need? How big of a house do you actually need to live in? How many TVs do you actually have to own? One for every room. I couldn't possibly miss anything. My DVR could mess up on the show I paused. And then I'd miss. What do you actually need? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, we need to change the bottom line. And it's tough because we've been trained differently. In America, we, we have so much stuff. 
Don't we? I mean, like we have a channel dedicated to, to making us buy stuff that we don't even need. QVC. Like we don't even, nothing on that, on that TV channel is anything you actually need. You might want it. Oh my word, I need that. No, you don't. You, you don't. You don't need that. You need food. That, you don't need that. We have so much stuff that we don't even know how, what like we own anymore. You ever go through your garage and you're like, oh, what? I've never even seen this before. I bought it. I just didn't even know I had it. In fact, we have so much stuff in America that we actually like can't hold all of our own stuff in our house. So we have to go out and pay people money to keep our stuff in buildings that they own. And every once in a while we go and remember like, oh, I forgot I had that. That's how much stuff we have. Now, I'm not saying like, I'm not, I'm not saying think about that and, and like and put that up against people in the world who don't have anything, although that would be an interesting talk for us to have. I'm just saying we need a different bottom line. We need a different bottom line. Just being fulfilled by stuff can't be the bottom line. Because listen, you will never have enough stuff. If that's the bottom line, you will never have enough money. And because like that will not bring you fulfillment. You will not be fulfilled by the stuff that you accumulate. I will tell you this, you will be fulfilled though by the stuff that you give away. When I was little, Christmas was about me. No, no, it was, about, it was about Jesus and the birth of the Savior and, you know, the wise, the wise men. I, it was all about that, but really it was about me. Um, how many of you remember that big Toys R Us book? Remember that? You're little. I don't know if they have those anymore or not, but man, I used to go to my grandma and grandpa's house and I would sit down with a pen around November, right before Thanksgiving, and I had my marker and I would start circling stuff that I wanted. Remember that? I don't know if you did the same thing. I would circle it and I would write little notes too. Like I would, you know, I would like fold the page to make sure they got it. And I'll be like, I want this. <laughs> then I would circle something else, usually right next to it and be like, I really want this. <laughs> then a couple more pages, like, I really, really, really want this with a bunch of exclamation points, you know? And my grandma would say like, you, okay, you circle 55 things. I'm like, I really want them all, grandma. That's just, what I, okay. It was about me, but the older that I get now, the older and older that I get, I realize like, it's not about what I'm receiving but rather, I'm very fulfilled when I give things away. I'm really fulfilled when I give, when I give things away. And when I think about Christmas, which is coming up, I think about the fact that, that God gave away his one and only son to a world that could never deserve him. I think about that for a moment. And we receive him. And it is our job now in response to, to give that away over and over and over. We need a different bottom line. Jesus lived his life in such a way that he gave everything away. All of his resources, all of that wisdom, all of his love, the peace, the mercy, the justice, the truth. He gave it away, even his life given away for people who would never, some who would never even receive it gave it away. This is how we are called to live, which leads me to my last point. Number four, worshipful work seeks to advance the mission of Jesus wherever it can. Worshipful work seeks to advance the mission of Jesus wherever it can. Well, first off, we have to ask the question, what is the mission of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 28 says this, verse 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, for some of us who were raised in old school Baptist church, you remember the version that said, and lo, I am with you. Remember that? And lo, I am with you. Even unto the end of the age. Jesus' mission is the same as our mission should be. Jesus' mission was to and is to seek and save the lost. That is the missio day. That is the mission of God. To look down in the world and seek and save the, the lost. Worshipful work seeks to advance the mission of Jesus wherever it can. And what I'm really trying to get down to here is that you need to view your work as worship. And one of the ways that you view your work as worship is understanding that you are an everyday missionary. You are. Now, our family, we have some friends who are getting ready to move to Zimbabwe. And uh, they're legit missionaries. They're moving, they're moving to Zimbabwe. They're going to live in a, in, a, in a town in Zimbabwe that has a large wall surrounding the town because there's lions that eat people there. My problem with that, <laughs> well, I have a couple problems with that. But my main issue with that is when we think of a missionary, that's what we think of. Why is it that when we think of a missionary, we don't think of a school teacher? Why is it that when we think of a missionary, we don't think of a surgeon? Why is it that when we think of a missionary, we don't think of a Starbucks employee? Why is it when we think of a missionary, we don't think of a stay-at-home mother? Why? Or a business owner. Why? We need to change the way that we view work. Work as worship. Each one of us are everyday missionaries. Employees shouldn't just work hard because their boss asks them to. We should work hard because it's an opportunity to put the gospel in action. Employers. You shouldn't just provide a good workspace and atmosphere because you're trying to define culture and attract good workers. You should do that because you want to have an atmosphere of the gospel. Because you want to see the gospel spread throughout your company. Because you want to see God's hand of favor on you so that you can not just turn around and be wealthy, but that you can turn around and say, God is blessing my business. Let me talk about why. Let me talk about the gospel with the platform God has given to me. I want you to be successful. I do. I do. But not just to be successful, but so that you can have an opportunity to stand in front of other people who don't know Jesus and talk about Jesus because you're an everyday missionary. Too many of us just look at work like, I just got to get a paycheck. I just what would be different if we viewed our work as worship? How would that define us? How would that change the way that we went about doing things? And when each one of us our everyday missionaries, listen church, things change. Now, something that's been on my heart and something that's been on my mind and something that's been on my lips is this whole idea of like renewal and revival. I'm serious. But I'm gonna tell you this, the only way that renewal, the only way that revival, the only way that awakening truly happens is when the church starts acting like the church. And one of the ways you know that the church is acting like the church is when the church isn't just acting like the church inside the church, but when the church is acting like the church when they're not inside the church. Come on. I can't say that again, so you got to hop with me right there, okay? <laughs> and being like the church means that we need to view our work as worship. <laughs> be a missionary in your job, students. Be the best student in your school. Do better on your tests. Turn in your homework. 
Be Jesus to your teachers. A lot of times they don't want to be there any more than you do. Show up on time. To you who are in college, be the best student in that college. To you who are, who are teachers, to you, to you who work at Walmart or Target, I don't care where it is, be the best employee. If you own a business, be the best owner there in, in the city. If you're a stay-at-home mother, work diligently. I know it's hard. God knows it's hard. But work, view your work as worship. What would take place if each one of us started functioning as the church outside this building and we acted as everyday missionaries? It would set up opportunities for each and every one of us to share the gospel. Your boss comes to you, why do you work so hard? Man, you don't make much money. I'll tell you why. Because I, 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 I'm a reflection of God in this place. I'm working for Jesus. You walk up to a janitor, why do you clean this so well? I'm cleaning this like Jesus is showing up to check my work. Why did you go the extra mile here on your homework? Because I'm, I'm doing this like I'm turning it in for my king. See, how would, that, how would that change our reality of how we show up and do work? Change everything. I'm excited about this month. We're going to be digging more and more, deeper and deeper into this. Some of it's going to hurt. That's good. Some of it's going to be funny. That's good, too. But all of it, I think, is going to be beneficial because it's from the Word of God. Thank you for listening to this message from our series, Our Work as Worship, at Covenant Church. We hope you've been impacted by what you've heard today. Visit us online at covenantchurch.us for more information and to listen to more impactful sermon audios just like this.